Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Proverbs 18. Thank you so much, worship team. Proverbs 18. I have notes for you and had such a fight with the formatting aspect of it, I decided to take the advice of my daughter who says, Dad, you need to put less on the notes and let people just fill them in. So this will be your opportunity to do that. If you like it, great. If not, well, bear with me. I was talking to Pastor Aaron, Proverbs 18, 19. We'll read it in just a moment. Actually, let's go ahead and read it, and then we'll let you be seated. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Lord, move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, I was talking to our, our brother in, in California, uh, Minister Aaron Anderson. He sends his love. We are in, uh, in the throes of final preparations of the power conference they're doing there, and we will have ours in February at the same time, that President's Day weekend, where we fly in prophets and powerful guest speakers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We're calling it the power conference. We've called it the prophetic conference for, gosh, I don't know how long. Is it 15 years, 16? Something like that. I want to preach to you tonight in your hearing and those that are online about how to restore a broken relationship. And I'm going to teach you some things that some of you just know because it's common sense. And I'm going to give you some biblical wisdom, uh, quite a bit of it, how to recognize when a relationship is broken, some of the telltale signs uh, when things, four signs of a broken, wounded, injured relationship. I'm going to talk about the power of our speech in relationship and then going to give you some uh, some ways of perspectives on how to bring restoration, how to bring healing. Now, I have some broken relationships in my life, and I'm praying for them to be restored. Is there anybody else that has some broken relationships in your life? Two honest people. Three. There's three honest people. Four. Okay, because this is going to really help you. So it's a, it's a powerful prophetic word uh, because there's coming great restoration. Uh, to relationships, yet at the same time, I've known people. Come on, some of you have been in church a long time. You know what I'm talking about. You pray, God's going to heal it. God's going to heal it. God's going to heal it. Yeah, yeah you pray, and, and we believe in prayer. I mean, we got prayer every morning, and I've not been in morning prayer for quite a while as I've been very weary in the mornings at the, uh, on the far side now of COVID-19, but I'll be able to make it next week in Jesus' name. We'll see you here. We believe in prayer, but a lot of people pray and don't realize that you have to do your part. I hate that. I know. I want them to just come and do it for me, but that's not how it works. There are sovereign times where God can come and touch the heart of somebody that you're, you're at odds with or somebody who you're in relationship with or that's wounded or there's offense or there's a brokenness there. And, and you know, God can move sovereignly, but many times he requires us to do the work. I don't know if you've ever prayed for something and realized actually you're the one that's going to answer the prayer. So Proverbs 18, verse 19 is our main text. Let me begin to preach to you now, giving you some signs of a wounded relationship. And uh, relationship, I have a Christmas cactus at my house. Uh, it was given to me probably at least 10 years ago, at least. When I got it, it was way better looking than it is now. It uh, was, was one of these amazing Christmas cactus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, amazing, full. And because of neglect, uh, it's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And I, I cut off some, I, every so often, I... It, it catches my attention, and I feel, well, that's not very good pastoral care, you know. And I, I go, and I love on that thing, and I try to help it and bring it back to life. 
uh, which is, uh, yeah, how many of you, some people have a green thumb, some of your thumbs are brown. Pastor Karen, Pastor Karen will kill all plants, but not on purpose. She's good with people, not good with plants. Love you, honey. True, she knows it. So I'm the one that keeps the plants in the house, what few we have. They, they, when, I, when I see them really wilted and the turgor pressure is a scientific word for that, when the turgor pressure is low, it draws my, oh, it's wilting, and I go over, and I go and help it. If I would just help it more often, if I would cultivate that thing more often, if I would water my crick, if I had taken care of it, it would be this massive thing, but that's not the case. It's a small Christmas cactus that's over 10 years old, and I really, it really caught my eye about three weeks ago during the Clovis, and I just thought, I'm going to help that thing. Something's going to live around here. Does anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? It looked, the plant looked like I felt. I'm like, oh my gosh, feed that thing, help it out. I pulled all the dead leaves off of these plants in this Christmas cactus. Yeah, what, does that, what does that have to do with relationships? Relationships are like that. They, they require love. They require feeding. They require cultivation. And if you don't, then your relationship is going to shrink. And if you, if you really don't handle it well, you're going to, you know, some of you got a brown thumb for relationships. You don't handle it well, then you're going to have broken relationships, and that's not God's plan. God's plan for you is to have healthy relationships. Oh, I, I mean with each other, absolutely. With your wife, with your husband, with your children. It's very important. And, you know, relationships can be injured on many different levels. There can be minor woundings. They just sort of get over, and it's all right. Or there can be a, a full-on broken spirit. And I found this, that when, when real brokenness happens in relationship, it wasn't usually because of one big event that took place. There was these subtle um, lack of, of care and, and little offenses that went along. And then that it can be, obviously, a big kaboom that brings a separation. But many times, it, you know, the, the, the trust and openness and communication is bruised. You know, things aren't as open as they were. It's just, does anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, let me give you four, four signs of a wounded relationship. Because some of you actually have them, but you don't, know that they, you don't know they're wounded. And this is especially true with children in your family, uh, friends. Okay, they're closed off. What do you mean closed off? Well, they're, they're just not, they're no longer, they're not as receptive to you as they used to be. There, there's a closing off of their heart towards you. Some of you can discern that. Others of you are not very discerning. Some people have a gift to be able to sense and feel what's going on for people, a great empathy and compassion, and that's, that's wonderful. But others, others of us aren't, aren't maybe so sensitive to that. And so when someone begins to close off, their eye contact is minimal. When you used to, you know, you used to look in each other's eyes and, and have, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't mean that in a weird way. But, I mean, they avoid eye contact when, when you used to. You know, when you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you talk to somebody, when you shake somebody's hand, you ought to look them in the face. I taught my son, Glenn, I love you. Hello. I really appreciate you. I appreciate okay, you. so when that's not every so often and they're just, you know, just con- there, there might be something wrong. So that's one of the indications when they're closed off or there's minimal eye contact or when there's, there's, not a, there's not a receptivity to you. There could be something wrong. That could be a sign that, Houston, we have a problem. Being guarded, unwilling to share freely. So before, they were open with their emotions, open with their stories, open with talking freely about what they're going through. But now, they don't want to tell you about it anymore. You especially have to watch that with teenagers. You have to establish an openness with your, and open communication with your kids. And if your kids don't want to talk to you anymore, that there might be a reason for that. There could be a wounding. Being guarded. Number three, strained communication. What do you mean? They're defensive. Someone's defensive with you. They're argumentative with you. They're strife. They're snapping at you. I just went through something with my brother not long ago. I made a little flip remark, and I realized, nope, that's not kingdom language. I have a problem. And we talked about it, and we resolved it. But some of, some of you don't realize, because your, your communication is often defensive and often argumentative, and as a result, the, the sarcasm, listen, sarcasm, people that are sarcastic, that, that, that's not from the Lord. 
Sarcasm hurts people. I, I had somebody tell me, oh, I've got a gift of sarcasm. <laughs> it's actually bitterness, uh, sweetheart. <laughs> you need to get rid of that. You say, but it can be funny. Yeah, I know, at the cost of other people. Strained communication. Um, resisting touch. Oh, I've, I've seen this with my, my daughter. And she was growing up, and she was 13, and I did something that was insensitive to her and wasn't, you know, and maybe at 13 they might be extra sensitive. And maybe not, I might be wrong, but I'm just saying, you know. And I, I did something to hurt her feelings, and so then the next time I go to put my arm around her, she's like, ah. It's like, hey, you all right? Uh-huh. No. You know, you go, you go to hold their hand, and they're just like, they don't want to hold your hand. And listen, it's, it's true in, in marriage. You know, some, some of you don't want, don't touch me. I'm not the feely-touchy type, so. Let me just tell you, fathers, uh, you're, you're not the touchy type to tell your kids you love you. We better get over it, because otherwise somebody else is going to love and hug on your daughter and tell her you love her, and it's not going to be you, and it might not be good. Come on, somebody say Amen. So these are some four different signs that you have a possible wounded relationship. They're closed off, no longer receptive. Two, they're guarded, unwilling to share freely, unwilling to share like they used to. Can you close the doors to the sanctuary, please? Number three, strained communication. They're defensive, they're argumentative, they're sarcastic. They're resisting touch. They resist touch. Okay, these are some indications Often wounded relationships, if they stay wounded for long, please hear me, please hear, the people in the lobby already have it figured out. If you have a wounded relationship and you don't heal the wounded relationship, then relationships are no longer wounded and they get broken. And a broken relationship is harder to heal than a wounded one. And you know, no, none of us want to have broken relationships. All right, uh, broken relationships require much greater skill, a whole lot more prayer, and ability to bring healing and God's intervention. But it really is a skill also. The second, uh, Roman numeral two, uh, the, the power of our speech in relationships. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. James talks about that. My brother calls it verbal judo. But it's a biblical thing. A soft word turns away wrath. But what happens to a harsh word then? Well, it can stir it up. Like the twisting of a nose produces blood, says Proverbs. Solomon says, Solomon, the wisest man ever, Proverbs 15, for an unwholesome tongue is, pardon me, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Perverseness, now that's, Turn to Ephesians, because you should underline this, Ephesians 4. Perversity. Is, I'm not talking, when I say perversity, I don't mean like perversity as in pornography and that kind of thing. That's perverse also. But perversity in speech is, um, uh, it's, it's, it's corrupt. It injures. It's a way of speaking that hurts people. It's not straight. It's not pure. The motives behind it are, are off. They're, they're, um, Caddy Wampus. Go look that up on Google. Caddy Wampus. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word... Please pay careful attention to this. Ephesians 4.29 and 30. Let no corrupt word... That's that's the the Greek version of the word perverseness there out of Proverbs. is Hebrew, written in Hebrew. This is in Koine Greek, corrupt. Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth but only what is good and necessary for edification. That it may impart grace to the hearers. Wow. Grace is some, I've preached a whole message on Ephesians 4, that literally your words have the power to release heaven or the power to release death. The power to release life or the power to release destruction. You're either on God's building crew or you're on the devil's wrecking crew. And the only way the devil can speak in your life is by using your voice to the voice of somebody else. And so our speech should be filled with grace. Is there anybody else that's convicted? Yeah, because it imparts grace. It shouldn't be corrupt. It should, it should be kind and gentle. 
And many times in our relationship, we speak words that are corrupt. And I'm going to give you five forms of corrupt speech. And you think, you mean like dropping F-bombs? No. No. Corrupt speech. Here's five forms. Number one, unfair criticism. Accusatory. Being accusatory. You always do that. I mean, my God. That's accusatory and anger mixed. You always do like that. You're like your mother's side. You're like the father's side. You're like, can't you be like? Unfair, unfair criticism, being accusatory in your speech. Don't be like that. Don't do that. That hurts people. Sarcasm, insulting. Hey, nice do-rag. <laughs> okay, that's sarcasm. Picking on do-rags tonight. Okay, so the words, if we were to define the words, the nice do-rag. So if I say to you, that's a nice do-rag. Okay, that, that, there's a sound of more sincerity in that. But if I say, hey, bro, nice do-rag, where'd you get that? <laughs> okay, that's sarcasm, saying I don't like your do-rag, and then my tone, it's, it's, it's not kingdom language. It's not straight. It's not pure. It's corrupt. It's perverse. Sarcasm. Coarse joking. Oh, I coarse joking. I've seen people really wounded. Number three, coarse joking. Joking at people. Hey, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. You know, you go to sit down in the chair and somebody removes the chair and you fall down. <laughs> Punch you in your throat. <laughs> I mean, you can think of all sorts of coarse joking. It's, it's using irony or, or mocking to convey contempt. Coarse joking. Youth are notorious for it. They're upstairs, most of them, I think. Coarse joking is not funny. Anger. Anger with rejection. Nothing wrong with being angry, but in your anger, don't sin, the Bible says. It's okay to be angry, but don't sin. That's the challenge. Anger with rejection. I've struggled with that. I have. I've struggled with it. I'd like to think I'm doing better. And, uh, you know, sometimes you, like, you think you're doing better. Just ask the people around you if you're doing better, and if they're not afraid of you, then they'll tell you. But if you've conditioned them through your, your witchcraft of anger, then, of course, they're never going to tell you anything because they're constantly walking on rice paper, tiptoeing. God forbid they would wake up the bear, the mean bear that will decapitate everybody. So you just like, you just, oh, God forbid he gets angry. I know that's none of you, of course. Being, okay, will change. Being condescending. Listen, if you're convicted of any of these things, that's got to change you. You know, the thing for anger, some of these, they have, they have roots to them. So if you look, you can see what you're really angry about. And then when a certain female or somebody does something that reminds you of what your mama did that you're really angry about, and you're, not, you're unresolved and you don't have forgiveness there, that causes that volcano to explode. You need to heal the issue with your mom. I'll be right back because I'm not feeling the love. Amen, pastor. That's a good word. With your dad. If you look at the triggers, do you know what, how many of you know, how many of you know what a trigger is? I mean, like half of you have guns in your pocket right now. Okay, a trigger is that which releases a hammer to a, to a bullet firing the, the, the charge, releasing the bullet, you understand, Right? A trigger, listen, if you have things in your life that all of a sudden it just makes you become the bride of Frankenstein instead of the bride of Christ, you know, that would be an indication that there's something wrong there. So there you are. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Everything's good, and then you say something, they're like, ah! You're like, whoa! Whoa! Ah, sorry! Ah! Like, ah! Woo! Ah, I'm going to go over here. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, that's a little um, over-the-top response. Like, sorry. Don't ever go there again. Okay, sorry. And it could actually be a demon. We just were studying that over the past two days. It's challenging to be in relationship with people that are demonized. That's always a... <laughs> demon manifestation would also be an indication that there's wounding. <laughs> 
Let's have a praise break all across this place. Lift your hands and say, he's not talking about me. He's talking about somebody else. Uncle Fester he's talking about. Oh, God, help, help, Uncle Fester. Oh. Corrupt speech, unfair criticism, sarcasm, coarse joking, anger, and uh, number five, being condescending. Having or showing a feeling of patronizing somebody, being su- superior to them. Condescending is not a real positive way to communicate, and it brings wounding. It's really a corrupt speech. Be careful your words. Be diligent to repair wounds when they take place because you said something stupid. I, I have, I've lived by, I don't know, i got to repent so much. Was that an amen from somebody over there? Was that the baby that said amen right there? Okay, we all, listen, if you'll be a sensitive, I mean, I'm thankful, I don't think, I don't have to repent as much as I did 20 years ago. My mouth was, you know, I just had a tendency to hurt people. And I've hurt my kids over and over and over. And listen, it's not on purpose, but knee-jerk, knee-jerk responses. And, and, but here's the thing. I'll tell you why my kids are still serving God, the grace of God. Ah, the mercy of God. And I did a lot of repenting. Not nearly as much as Pastor Karen, but I had to do a lot of repenting. Listen, as parents, good godly parents, love you, honey. Good godly parents, you have to repent a lot. And you know, it's like, when, you, when, unco- when corrupt speech comes out of your mouth or you hurt them or you're, you say things that are not right, and, and please understand me, I, I was not a child abuser by any means. I was a good father, at least that's what they tell me. But it, I understand that I would hurt my kids through my words and at times just being really intense and running them over and not being sensitive to them and all of that. And, and then when I would realize that, because they're closed off and Hannah doesn't want to hug anymore, and you know, I realized that and I'd be like, did I do something to hurt you? Yeah, you did. I was trying to tell you something and you wouldn't even listen to me. You just wanted to fix it which is what most guys want to do when they hear a female communicate to them their problem. They're instantly outcomes to the relational tool bag, and you want to fix that thing when, in fact, that loving lady, daughter, wife, mother in your life just wants you to listen and say things like, wow, that, that must be hard, as opposed to, you know what you need to do, because guys are just constantly, here's what you need to do. Okay, is it? That's just me and my brother Chris. Anybody else? Anybody else? You understand what I'm telling you? I want to help you because some of you are single. You don't understand that you're, you're these beautiful women of God. They would talk to you, these close ones in your life, and when they share things about what they're going through, don't just try to fix it. I'm should I, Lord help me remember what I'm saying right now. Pastor Karen's like shaka ta 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 shaka. Pastor Karen's having a revival at home. He is hearing from God tonight. <laughs> Go to Proverbs 18, 19. Well, that's the main text. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong fortified city is another virgin. An offended brother, it's not just your brother. It's your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle. It's everybody. It's It's people. An offended person in your life. It's not just talking about, you know, your brother. You're literally your brother. And it requires wisdom, effort, and patience to get inside a fortified city and, and, to, and to win. I'm going to say this later, but it's worth saying more than once. When you're working through the healing of a broken relationship, it's not about being right. It's about getting peace between the two. It's okay to disagree. It's not okay to not have peace. And, and to have strife and anger towards each other. All right, uh, where am I? Complaining. We're, all, we're warned about complaining. And we're going to give you some biblical principles on restoring relationships, and we'll be done for tonight. Complaining. I, I, I was recently on a phone with somebody who's not a part of our church, right? So that would disqualify you. If you thought I was talking to you, I'm not. I was recently on the phone a couple days ago. And again, this... Um, this brother who I love, and he's younger in the Lord, and he's pastor in another, another place. Again, he just starts complaining about how everything's lame. 
Okay, so this is like the 10th phone call that every time I talk to him, it's a litany of complaints. And I just said, did you lose your joy? Did you lose the joy of the Lord, bro? Come on, man. What are you thankful for? He's like, I don't know. I said, well, you better find it. Because if you stay in a place of complaining, you're going to release a destroyer. Now, that comes from, some of, some of you are like praising God and want me to preach the rest of the message on this because your spouse complains all the time. Complaining, 1 Corinthians 10.10 10, talks about the examples of in the Old Testament, how they're used uh, for us so that we could grow, and I'm paraphrasing. And he says, and some of them complained and murmured and were destroyed by destroying by the destroyer. That literally, if you partner your speech with death and you complain and you argue, some of you are complaining to your, to your friends, your family all the time, you need to stop. You need to stop it. And start being grateful for what's right, good, pure, just, holy, noble, admirable, praiseworthy. Think on these things. Because if you allow for complaining in your relationships all the time, nobody wants to be with you. I want to get away from you. I just want to be like, shut up. You're not being burned at the stake. You just take yourself and turn yourself into the Lord and like repent. You can be in hell right now. Stop. Some of you need to arrest yourself. Want to see that again? I don't know where that came from, but must be the Lord. Some of you need to take yourself by your own scruff of your neck, hook ear, and take yourself to the Lord and repent and quit complaining. It could be a whole lot worse. And if you keep complaining, it's like declarations of death, and you're going to see the very things that come out of your mouth are going to be manifested in your life, and it's going to be difficult. Come on, let's have a praise break. That, that really helps somebody. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. Principles apply to people of all different kinds of types of relationships, not just women in homes, but Proverbs 21, 19. Better to dwell in the wilderness with a con- than with a contentious, angry woman. And all of the men said, amen. Okay, now if you think I'm picking on you, let me just put this the way that it really is. Better to dwell in the wilderness with a contentious, angry man. And all the women said, Proverbs 17, 1. Look, you should underline these things and get them in your spirit. Because the next time, the word of God, when it's in you, the next time you start feeling contentious and argumentative, you'll be like, Lord, help me. You know, and it just helps you. Proverbs 17, 1. <laughs> better a dry morsel, better a dry crust of bread and quietness than a house full of feasting and strife. It's better to be in some remote place eating his way back that's stale than to have a feast with a bunch of strife. How many of you know what his way back is? It's a teething biscuit. And a stale teething biscuit is horrible. But if you dip it in tea, they can work. I've had those before. Proverbs 19, 13. The contentious husband. It doesn't say that. It says wife. But it is spouse, parent, friend, child. The contentious person are a continual dripping. Shut up already. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's talking about content. It's terrible. One more, because I know you just can't handle it. Proverbs 14, 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the stupid one, oh, sorry, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. To be fair, the wise man builds his house, but the moron pulls it down with his hands. All right, keys to help us swallow the rest of this, please. What to do, what to do. We, maybe we need to break this thing into two parts. How to restore relationships. Principles, biblical principles on how to restore a wounded and a broken relationship. Number one. 
make, a, make an appeal. Make an appeal. Since a wound occurred over time, you know, there's sometimes takes time to bring healing. You know, I, if you're anything like me, I want it done now, I want it fixed now, I want it healed now. Uh, that, that's, you, you didn't wound them like that. It didn't get wounded in the instant. You know, it, sometimes it, there's a period of time and you know, as you grow up, the woundings and rejection and the trauma in your life is like a jigsaw puzzle. When you, get, you start getting healed in church, you start getting healed by God's word and God's presence and God's power, he doesn't just blast the whole thing off. I'm grateful for when he's blasted two or three levels at one time. There's a process of healing of your soul, your emotions and your, your memories and the time when your dad dropped you on your head or the fact that you felt rejected because you were bottle fed instead of breastfed or whatever, whatever the fill in the blank, whatever wounding you might have experienced, you know, over a lifetime, you gotta get you gotta get healed of those. You gotta forgive, you gotta forgive yourself, you gotta forgive people that, that did it to you. And, and and you just gotta surrender it all to the Lord. You gotta make a godly appeal. Don't be naive and thinking, please hear me. This is like a number one in church. I see this all the time. People are naive, they're ignorant to think, well, there's a wounded relationship and you know, the Lord's just gonna work that out. Oh yeah, he's gonna work it out because you're gonna go and repent. You're gonna go and say sorry for all that. It's not my fault. Okay, it's not your fault. But are, are you, do you have any responsibility in it? Well, you know, I was, okay, repent for that. Be 100% responsible for your 50%. I've known parents would have their kids back long ago. They're, they're, they're in their 20s and 30s, but they refuse to go back and repent to their child. Because you know something, I'm, I'm the father. And in my culture, that's not what we do. Well, you need to change your culture slick if you want to get your kid back. You need to get off your little high horse and repent. You were a jerk when you were a father. Now start to repent. You abandoned the family. You did this. You did that. You need to repent. I'm going to have an opportunity to live this message out with my two daughters that I still don't get to see. Oh, I've repented. I'm clean before the Lord. I've repented to them, but I'm not sure they heard it, but I'm going to do it until they do hear it. When I get the chance, we still don't get to talk right now. One day that'll change. If they're online right now, love you so much. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I was a bad man but I've changed. Love to meet you and see you sometime and hear about your life. Make an appeal. M make an appeal with wounded relationships. Talk with them. Humble yourself and the Lord will elevate you. You didn't just pray, the old time's gonna heal it. No, time doesn't, time doesn't heal all things. That's not, that's not, even, that's not even in the Bible. Oh, time heals all things. Really? Where does it say that? God will work things all for good for those that love him. It does say that. But if you understand scripture, then you actually have to, come on, turn, turn to Matthew 18. Oh, it's good. Matthew 5 first. Make a godly appeal. Matthew 5, 24. It says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You don't understand because they're the one that jacked me up. I didn't have it. That's not what that says. It says if somebody has something against you and you know it, you go. You go. You go. You go. Come on, somebody say Hugo. Remember that car? They weren't very good. I think they went out of business. Hugo. Bruh. Yeah, you go. What? 80 win? You go. <laughs> I think I'm feeling better. Matthew 18, turn there. 
So are you telling me that when I go, before I should, before I tithe, before I give, before I offer a wor- worship and sacrifice unto the Lord, that somebody has something against me and I know it, that I should, it's exactly what that says. Oh, I don't really like that. You know, most people don't do that. That's why they have wounded relationships. And you know, the other thing is that your relationship with people deeply affects your relationship with the Lord. And it affects your worship. You come up on the platform to lead worship and sing. You come up here right. Yeah, I'm studying this thing, and I've, I've been working on it. And there was a situation, though, you know, at 6.30, I had to, like, iron my shirt and get out the door. But no, 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 because I, I knew I had to make a phone call. Guess what I did? I made the phone call. Why? Because I'm coming to church, and I'm preaching, and I'm offering I'm offering myself before the Lord. Some of you need to call some people the second you get out of here. You, you need to call them. You need to tell them that you love them or you forgive them or you need to repent. You need to call. You repent to your kids. You need to call. You need to deal with your, your ex-wife maybe if you can, if it's safe. <laughs> your ex-husband. And listen, it doesn't even matter if they receive you or not. Oh, you know what? Hey, listen to you. You're full of pride. What? Who do you think you are? Holier than now, huh? We got a bunch of Hawaiians here, so I can't help but to like pigeon starts coming out. It's all your guys' fault. <laughs> ah, you know what? You think you're big? Eh? You come talk to me. What? Oh, yeah. False crack guy. <laughs> uh, false crack. I, I should define all of those things, but I'm not going to. Anyway, look it up in the pigeon dictionary, I guess. It doesn't matter if they receive you. What matters is you take your humbly before the Lord, you express what you need to express. You can ask them, how many times have I had that happen? I've, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, are you offended with me? I'm like, no. Well, you didn't even wave at me at the stops. I didn't see you. I, I, I sometimes forget to wave at my wife. Sorry. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, okay. But, but it's good to do that. It's good to say, are, you, are, we, are we good? Are we good? Are you and I good? Are we okay? Yeah. Or no. I saw how you looked at me in church the other day, and you took my seat, the one I always seat in, and you took my parking lot to it. I know you're doing it on purpose because you're trying to drive me out of this church. I know. Oh, I, I've heard all. I've heard it all. And then you can say, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't know. Please, would you please forgive me? I didn't know. You know, I'm not, I'm really, I, please stay. Forgive me. I, I'm going to be more sensitive. Whatever. Take the low road. It's not going to hurt you. You'd be like Jesus. Just let him crucify you. Amen. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, 825. I'm going to go five more minutes, and I'm done. I got so much here, though. All right, make a godly appeal. Matthew 18, 15. Your brother or sister sins against you. Go and point out their fault. Listen to this. Just... Between just the two of us, we can make it you and I, just the two of us. Just the two of you, not you, Auntie Bessie, your brother, Instagram, Facebook, and all the other forms of communication, emails, MailChimp, you know, you just send everybody, let everybody know, it's just the two of you. I've failed at this many times, but it's so painful that I, I, think I'm, I think I might have got it now. I think I might have it down. Just the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. And it doesn't mean you have to agree. It's about restoring your relationship. But if not, then take one or two others who are on your side to make sure they know they're wrong. Is that what it says? No. It, it, take one or two people that can be a an intermediary, a, a somebody who's a, not somebody that's on your side. You, now, you don't bring somebody who's like, is Vito, is Vito Sorducci, we want to talk. So obviously you know you're wrong. You brought him because you wouldn't acknowledge it before. So now you're going to acknowledge it. Isn't that right, Vito? That's right. Very good. You can repent now. Go ahead. I mean, what are you, like a gangster? Gangster forgiveness. 
But I'm so sorry. Come on. You don't bring Vito Sarducci with a baseball bat to make the guy repent. You bring somebody who's willingly to tell you that you're the one that's wrong. You bring somebody who's mature. This is really good. I can't. I have like, I have like too many pages left. I'm trying. Make a godly appeal. Someone has something against you. You have someone against you have something against someone else. You 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 fix it. Otherwise, it's going to affect your relationship with the Lord. Something against another, Matthew, again, 18, 15, alone. It's about winning your brother instead of about winning the argument. Say that. It's about winning a brother, not winning the argument. Say it again. It's about winning a brother, not winning an argument. And it's about being honorable and creating a culture of honor. One or two more is bringing an arbitrator. Oh, I got, I'm got. i going to hurry up. You ready? Tone. Hey, I just want to tell you, I'm really sorry. Uh, I think that's sarcasm, and the tone's like all off. You see all those droplets? Man, that was crazy. Tone's important. You know, when I first started prophesying, I had to get corrected a lot about the words I was getting. The words were accurate. But the way that I delivered it was like my personality and how I preach and cast out devils, not like, you know, so I'd prophesy over somebody, the Lord's healing you right now in the deepest place. They're like, you know, that's not exactly a healing tone. That's how I would cast out devils too. In the name of Jesus, I command every devil to go. I adjure you, King James. Tone, the tone. Let the tone match your heart. And if you're not, if you don't, if your heart's not in touch with it, you ain't done praying yet. You gotta, you gotta get your heart behind it. And you can't fake stuff. Yeah, I'm just really sorry. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not, who believe, you don't even believe it. You don't even mean it. Although there are times where we repent for things that we know we need to repent for, but our heart is disconnected. You still need to repent, but pray that God would connect your heart. And you gotta mean it. Godly sorrow brings change and transformation, worldly sorrow brings death. I've got too much. I'm going to finish it later. We'll do part two and I'll add to it. Father, help us. Come on, how many of you got a, if you got a broken relationship, a wounded relationship, or which becomes broken, right? Remember Hannah? Thanks, Dad. You know? Okay, that's wounded. That's not broken. She's still talking to me. She's wounded. If you have a wounded relationship, stand up on your feet. All across this place, at home. Got a wounded relationship. Okay, number two, you got some relationships that are broken. I get to stand for all of them. Got some broken relationships. All right, now we're going to pray that God helps us and, heal, and, and we're going to do our part. You pray, but what would the Lord have you do? What would you do? What are you supposed to do? Some of you need to send some people some money. Oh, no, I'm good. No, that's because you've made money an idol. You need to send them money. You need to send them flowers. You need to send, send them a coffee card. And give them a gift. Just say, I'm really sorry. Would you please forgive me? Send them some chocolates. Do something. And repent. Sometimes things need to be done in person. And, and text. Listen, anything heavy, don't do it on text. Don't do heavy communication on text. Because you can't tell tone in text. I've said things on text and people knew I was yelling at them. And I wasn't. But that's how they read it, because that's the way they felt. Do it in person if you can. Praise God for FaceTime these days. You can just be like, and they can see you. All right, let's pray for healing. Father, we pray. Come on, lift up these relationships. We pray now for healing of every wounded relationship, we pray. The devil comes to steal and bring division and woundedness and separation because of the words that we said or the words that somebody else said things that happened. The enemy comes to do that. God, I pray, bring healing to every wounded relationship and help us to do our part. You won't do our part. We can't do yours. You soften the heart. Proverbs 21.1, you hold the heart of the king and you turn it. You hold the heart of the queen and you turn it like a water course. Heal wounded relationships. You know, I need to share this I remember confronting a wounded relationship. It happened to be with my father. It was a long time ago. 
And as I'm weeping with tears running down my face, telling him how I felt and everything that would happen and what I felt like he did and all of that, he listened to me, but he listened and he just said, well, that's not really what happened. And I said, well, that's how I felt about it. He said, well, you know, I'm sorry. And, but I didn't feel like he heard me. You know, I wanted him to fall down on his knees and, and wipe my feet with his tears. And that's not what happened. And I know he heard me and he processed it in however way he processed it, but what it was very powerful to me for me to say it. And I remember going back to my prayer closet having obeyed the instructions the Lord had given me. And I'm like, well, it didn't work. And the Lord's like, no, yes, it did. It did. And I let it go. And I was like, it did? You did what I told you to do. That's all you're supposed to do. You're not responsible for how other people respond. You just take care of what I tell you to do. You live the you live right. You obey and leave the results with me. And I and then it was just like Oh, whoa. The Lord just healed me. Come on. Your pastor's been through a lot of broken relationships before. And God's healed almost all of them. Father, heal the wounded relationships, marriages, children, wayward kids that are wayward. Show us where we need to repent, how we need to repent, things we need to do. Heal broken relationships for the glory of God. By the blood and the power of the name of Jesus and with every person here, those online in Dillingham, in Kasilov, in Prudhoe Bay, the most important relationship you have is with Jesus Christ. If you don't have that right, then all of your relationships will be messed up. You need to get right with God. That's the first most important relationship of your life. And after that, you get that right and you start working out from there. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, won't you do it tonight for the first time or make a recommitment to him? You say, that's me. All right, thank you for your honesty. Pray with me right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for washing away all of my sin that separated me from you. And I receive now forgiveness and healing. In Jesus' name, I pray now, God, for each and every person. Holy Spirit, come. Release your power. I have an interesting vision, picture that came to me, and this is for someone. Because many years ago, I was a brand new Christian, and I was a part of a program, and there was some people that were struggling with forgiveness with people that are dead. They've passed. And what the counselors had them do was to write out, write a letter that they would read to the Lord. Because you don't pray to the dead. You don't talk to the dead. You all understand that. Don't do Ouija boards and talk to the dead. That's not what we do. You talk to the Lord. They just read this letter out before the Lord and it released healing for salt for those that did it. Some of you need to say some stuff and just because they're past, it doesn't mean you shouldn't say it. You need to say it before the Lord and let it go. Does that make sense? Use these principles, powerful, powerful pastoral word. Let God heal every relationship in your life. Use your words to build people up. No, let no corrupt word. Many times it's our words that hurt people. Our actions, our tongues. We'll do part two uh, by God's grace next week. Father, oh, it won't be next week because I won't be here. Well, we'll get back to it when, when, when we do. <laughs> Friday night, we will not have a normal Friday night because it'll be the women's encounter. All of you ladies come. We will not be here having church next Friday night. We love you. See you on the weekend. It's going to be amazing. I've changed some of our protocol. Let me express it this way. CDC regulations as well as the state of Alaska urge people to wear masks and social distance. I have made a decision to allow you 
to do whatever you want to as your conscience leads you. I am not going to require anybody to wear a mask. If you want to, I'm really glad. Go right ahead. If you don't want to, I'm really glad. Go right ahead. If you don't feel good, and you, then, then you know, stay home and get healed. If you have COVID-19, you call us because we will help you. We will. We have many of us have been through it. The other side, we're immune. Hallelujah. And uh, very grateful for God's healing power on so many. It's swept through, and uh, we're out the other side. I expect that many, many people will be in church. And uh, But if you're uncomfortable with that, I respect your opinion, and I also respect those. I respect everybody's opinion. I'm not gonna, I didn't tell you who to vote for. Well, I didn't make you vote for someone. I'm not going to pick your husband. I'm not going to pick your spouse. I'm going to let you be guided by the Holy Spirit. All right? Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, social distance, don't social distance. Let the Lord lead you, and, um, and uh, that's the way that's going to be, all right? We'll offer masks at the front, and we love you, and we're going to have a great time. I'm not going to wear one simply because it damages my vocal cords. It's very hard for me to breathe, and so, uh, but I'm not offended if you're going to, all right? Does that, does that make sense? All right, so I just changed everything last weekend. We did what we didn't. It's a new, it's a new day, all right? Father, we pray for healing now on every person that's suffering, God. I pray, Lord, for Minister Barry, for you to heal him and John. In Jesus' name, I pray for every person suffering under COVID-19. In Jesus' name, and flu symptoms too, all cancer and the cold. Cancer, cold, COVID-19, all of it. We curse it. We break its hold off of this people, off of this state, off of the nation. We pray, God, intervene in the elections. Come on, moment longer, we're done. Intervene, God, in the elections. Come on, intervene, God. Intervene in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. We love you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.